This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? This week, we're discussing... Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And your soul is mine. I'm Javi. Ugh. All what, right. if I, what if I talk like that the rest of the episode? Just, <laughs> just try to do my Shang Tsung voice. Yeah, but why would you? Why would I not? That movie's great. <laughs> That's the best character. All right, you so... sandbag me so hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this week we are talking about Mortal Kombat. This movie is from... 1995 and it is a movie based on the Mortal Kombat video games so I guess is this the first time we're doing a video game movie on this show I think it might be because I don't I've kind of made it a point to avoid video game movies right okay so video game movies typically trash right usually yeah um I've seen you know those old Tomb Raider movies with uh Angelina Jolie in them yeah. I've seen some of the Resident Evil movies starring Mila Jovovich, who, you know, as you noted before we started the show, uh, you know, the Resident Evil franchise is directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Who's the director of this movie? Who's also <laughs> the director of Monster Hunter, which I think much of our friends and fan base who have seen it will tell us how trash that movie was. <laughs> um, most of the time, it's misses, right? There was a Street Fighter movie that came in the early 90s. There was the Super Mario Brothers movie starring uh, John Leguizamo and, goodness, who was the guy who played Mario? Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. There you go. And then also, (laughs) uh, what's his face, isn't it? Dennis Hopper. I was going to say Farina. No, 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 no. That movie would have been so much better with Dennis Farina's Bowser. <laughs> I love Dennis Hopper, especially like when you like watch the movie Blue Velvet and you see like how just fucking insane his character is in that movie. Much like his character in Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's stop. Let's get off of Dennis Hopper. <laughs> what we are talking about is typically these movies suck, right? You know, mm-hmm. like I know that that. And I feel like these were a lot more popular like in the 90s or early 2000s. Like, it's very rare that anybody makes a video game movie anymore. Like, I just don't think they're popular at this point. You can thank good old director Uwe Boll for that. Um, he's like this like Eastern European or German director. I forgot where exactly he's from. But anyway, he, he was like, if there's a movie or if there's a video game IP somewhere, like somehow my production company is going to get the rights and we're going to make a really shitty B movie out of it. And he did that like seven times and he did it with like blood rain and alone in the dark and uh, house of the dead. And all of them were just like notorious, like giant platters of shit. And honestly, if he heard me say this, 
he would challenge me to a boxing match because <laughs> that's actually something he would do in the odds. So, yeah, it's not like there was really much of a market or a demand, but I think recently that's kind of changed thanks to certain like the success of certain movies, things like Detective Pikachu, you know, or Sonic. <laughs> I have not watched Sonic yet, so I cannot give my opinion on that yeah. movie. It's a fun movie. I, I mean, did watch Detective Pikachu, and I love Detective Pikachu. Detective Pikachu is really good. <laughs> so I, I, I'm not, I'm not totally against these kinds of things. I was super into this movie when it was coming out in the '90s because among the first video games that I ever owned on the first gaming system I ever owned. So the first system I ever had was a Super Nintendo, and maybe the second game that I got after Super Mario World was the original Mortal Kombat game. <laughs> Two games that couldn't be further apart. <laughs> Super Mario World and Mortal Kombat. So you know, what? <laughs> one of the games that launched the ESRB like rating system. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like, I never thought about the violence in the game. And no one in my family ever thought about it either. But this was very controversial in the 90s, right? Like, it did become... Mm -hmm. They did have to develop a rating system because of this game. You know, Mortal Kombat, everyone loves it. Everyone knows it. It's simple. Two people fight in the screen. You know, you're, you're fighting until the person's health bar is gone. You finish them when they're dead. Um... You don't really know what this like. I didn't know what the stories for any of these fighters were. It's just you, you, it was based on the look. You saw who you thought was cool and who you thought had cool abilities, and those were the characters that you picked. So, yeah, and I think they get fleshed out more in Mortal Kombat 2 and 3. But pretty much, like, so the whole premise of Mortal Kombat, for those that don't know, is this was originally supposed to be made as a, a Street Fighter killer, right? But, um, pretty much not necessarily killer but pretty much like the the video game uh the game devs tobias boone and i forgot what the other dude's name is um no tobias uh, whatever point is game devs are, are are trying to create a game that uh can stand up against street fighter so which is the, an, also another really great game i also owned super street fighter oh yeah street fighter 2 was fucking amazing probably one mm -hmm. of the greatest fighting games you know um, but pretty much what they wanted to do is they wanted to they wanted to compete, so they wanted to create a game that um, would separate itself because Street Fighter at the time was still using like a lot of physical attacks. So their thing was they wanted magic. So that's why a lot of the characters have like magic abilities. Like Liu Kang has his fireball. Um, Johnny Cage has like the uh, the 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 shadow kick where he goes across the screen. Like that's why there's a lot more fantasy, like a lot more of a fantasy element to Mortal Kombat. But originally the idea was that they were going to cast John Claude Van Damme and he was going to do the mocap and like the screen grab, or you know he was going to be the model for the main character. That originally this was going to revolve around uh, Johnny Cage, like the character Johnny Cage played by JCVD. Uh, but he actually ended up, uh, that idea got scrapped, but they kept the Johnny Cage character and instead shifted the focus more to, like, the magic martial arts world. Mm -hmm. So that's when they included, like, Liu Kang. That's when they started bringing in the ninjas, you know, Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Reptile. And then they just started fleshing out the world and, like, putting out... Um, you know, putting out the... Uh, filling out the roster with more characters. 
Which, so, you know, the Colored Ninjas was the best way to go because Scorpion was my favorite character in that original game. Uh, Reptile looked super awesome, but in the original Mortal Kombat game, he wasn't a playable character. You could only fight against him, and there was like this weird kind of roundabout way that you got to actually fight him. Yeah, like that, that, that. It was really cool because it was it was probably the first game that used palette swaps, but then like gave everyone interesting powers, like different powers, right? And then um, not in the original one. In the original one, reptile like actually. Well, I'm talking like, about Sub Zero and Scorpion, like oh, because right. <laughs> they were all palette swaps. And then in Mortal Kombat Two is when they introduced like all the other ninjas. Suck my nuts. Shut up. This isn't a video game podcast. We're trying our best. <laughs> but pretty much like that that and that video game took the world by storm because no one had ever seen anything so violent. People were, you know, especially your your Midwest like wasp families take oh. one look at your fatalities and are like, "Oh, my scarves and garters." <laughs> And of course, it caused the whole uprage and or outrage, uh, uproar. I combined those two words. <laughs> it gave us the ESRB, and that's pretty much what started the whole video games make us violent idea, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was Which, one of the you know, like I'm gonna say this, I might have said it on the show before, and I will say it now <laughs> if I haven't already said it, but nothing is worse than the fact that in this world. You know, like specifically in the 90s when Columbine happened, right? It's always, we're always looking for an excuse for for why white mass shooters are doing what they're doing. Because an entire generation of people watch Mortal Kombat. And this entire world hasn't turned into some lawless, you know, hellscape where everyone is literally fighting each other, right? Like, uh, I mean, all right, people are fighting each other. <laughs> Lawless hellscape, not so much. It's just a regular hellscape, right? So, but you know, fast forward till now, where freaking you know, Mortal Kombat 11 just dropped, yeah, you know, all the way into like the seventh generation of gaming consoles. Like, these games have like revolutionized the gaming industry, they changed the fighting games, like, culture. It's just one of those things that I don't know if they knew what they were really getting into, but they went, they, you know, no one ever sets out to, to change an entire industry, but that's kind of what Midway did with uh, Mortal Kombat so much so that all this negative press just made it worse. Like that's what I think what made Mortal Kombat catch fire even harder. It was more popular. Yeah. And of course it's got magic and sorcery, but it's still at its core, like a martial arts game. So, of course, I mean, that all that, like, still appeals to your edgy 13-year-old kids, you know? The part about it that's shocking, though, is, okay, there was, like, as new consoles came out, like, they continued to release new games in the aughts, and I kind of fell off, you know, somewhere in the mid-2000s with Mortal Kombat, right? It just It just wasn't really my thing anymore. No, that was a good uh, jumping off point. That's kind of where it started getting ass. <laughs> but, you know, it's like th- at some point, I don't know if it was like Xbox 360, the system, or if it was already on PlayStation. But by the time Mortal Kombat 10 came out, I feel like it was starting to get popular again. And then there was that like Mortal Kombat versus DC. Like, you know, once Warner Brothers like bought the property up uh, from Midway and, 
you know, or bought Midway and just started <laughs> doing nothing but Mortal Kombat games. Like, you know, it's, I feel like that's when it's, it found a new generation of people who are interested in it. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely interesting that we're bringing this property back so many years later. Like this movie is from 95. We saw it when it came out. I'm in my 30s already, right? <laughs> like so so a lot of people who are the movie going audience, I'm sure are much you know, are you know, younger than I am. And this movie still seems to have a lot of great popularity. Like everyone's excited for the new film that's about to come out in a couple of weeks. So definitely interested in that. But and like it's important to point out that this movie absolutely killed it in the box office. I think it like grossed 124 million, which I don't think anyone really expected (laughs) based on a budget of 18 mil. So it's like, holy crap, this movie recouped a lot. And I mean, what's funny is if you go and look at the critical responses of the critical response section in, the, in Wiki, it just tells you, wow, people really hated this movie. <laughs> well, it was released by New Line. And maybe a lot of people now, New Line is part of like, it's part of Warner Brothers now. Mm-hmm. But New Line in the 90s, like it was a studio that they gambled on properties. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, like they, they're the ones who did the Lord of the Rings movies in the 80s. They're the ones that released the Freddy Krueger movies and, and basically helped turn like, you know, the slasher franchises into such a big like cash cow. Um, and then in the 90s, they did stuff like Rush Hour, Money Talk. Uh, what is there's other stuff. Blade was was from the studio as well, you know, mm-hmm. uh, before like marvel properties even kicked off and stuff like that so it's it's definitely they're the right studio to have done this at that time and i as i said i was excited for this i knew the music this movie has been around for as long as i can remember so i can't tell you what the first time is that i saw it Mm. Uh, i remember renting it a lot (laughs) in the 90s and you know from the music to you know the characters that they did pick which were the most memorable characters it was definitely something that uh you know it it connected with me at the time that it came out so i'm looking forward to talking about this again because i hadn't actually seen this movie in quite a few years at this point yep and i guess just like the making of this movie is very very simple story you got the producer lawrence kasanoff who after seeing how Mortal Kombat 2 was just killing it in the video game market was really interested in buying the pro- the in buying the uh the rights to the, uh to turning the movie you know turning the video game into a movie uh he ended up reaching out to this production company uh WMS Industries and once he secured them um or I'm sorry he negotiated with them that was actually the the that was uh, Midway's uh parent company and after he talked to them pretty much he they gave him the the green light that he can produce the film he got the rights and just went to town you know take taking this to new line uh where they were able to get paul ws anderson surprisingly not casting mila jovovich as sony Blade. <laughs> and yeah i mean it's it's a like the I, yeah let's talk about the casting real quick uh, you got Christopher Lambert playing Lord Raiden. Um, if you don't know, for those of you who I don't even know who I would be talking to, it feels like 
Lord Raiden's per, like the poster child <laughs> of of uh, Mortal Kombat, but he's like the Thunder God, uh, usually known for having like the straw hat. Um, but yeah, he's played by Christopher Lambert, who apparently has made a career out of playing these immortal ass characters. We got what was her name? It's gonna bug me. Bridget Wilson, who plays Sonya Blade, who people might remember as the love interest from. Uh, Oh my god, Billy Madison. That's the one. <laughs> so I think this movie was set before Billy Madison. So it's really before like she caught fire as like the hot blonde. Um, thankfully, she wasn't just a hot blonde in this film. Um, and then we also get uh Robin Shu, who plays Liu Kang, like essentially who is the main character of the film. Uh Robin Shu is you know martial arts actor. He, some of us might remember him from uh, (laughs) Beverly Hills Ninja with Chris Farley, where he plays his adoptive brother. And pretty much that, those, these are the only two movies I remember this guy from. (laughs) I feel super bad. No, I don't remember him from anything else. But these actors are people that, I mean, like, there are other actors that I've seen and stuff, like Talisa Soto, who plays Katana in this, like, Last year we we uh, reviewed the mission uh, that she and she was in that movie like you know she's Benjamin Bratt's wife and they frequently collaborate on projects together now you know which are a lot mm-hmm. more like indie films and stuff and of course uh, the guy who plays Shang Tsung who I think I've mentioned his I think I've mentioned him a couple of times uh, that he's like the grandfather in Johnny Tsunami. <laughs> and I think I brought him up when we were talking about Karate Kid 2. So Karate Kid 2, like, Shozen is Johnny Tsunami's dad, and Shang Tsung is his grandfather. So he's literally, like, one of the coolest characters in the world. <laughs> one of the best lineages ever. <laughs> All right. So, uh, okay, this movie starts with Liu Kang, who is a Shaolin monk, right? Um, and his brother is he's like he's dreaming that his brother is getting killed by Shang Tsung, but apparently mm. Shang Tsung actually did kill his brother, is what we find out. Um, <laughs> it's not just a fever dream; it's real. <laughs> uh, so he's, for some reason, he's like compelled. I like he's the only one who seems to know about this tournament, right? So Mortal Kombat is a tournament that takes place <laughs> once in a generation that is supposed to help keep uh, these people from other dimensions from coming into Earth and taking over it. So just as a heads up, because of the nature of this movie and because it's a very action-based fighting martial arts movie and because of the batshit craziness of the plot, <laughs> which sounds like this might be a fever dream episode, much like the Kong versus or Godzilla versus Kong episode, but just stick with us, okay? This makes sense in in a way. <laughs> but yeah, so the idea is that all these, like you were mentioning, the it's this tournament for all these realities or all these worlds to mm-hmm. to to fight for their existence. And if you lose ten Mortal Kombat tournaments in a row, you essentially you're you it's open season on your world. And your realm can be invaded by every other realm, but specifically, what they're they're most worried about is um, is Outworld. Is the it, there's a very um, it's a very precarious truce between Earth Realm and Outworld. Outworld um, and ten. What's up? I said Outworld, Outworld and ten. And ten. <laughs> Shut the hell up. 
<laughs> so what we don't what we find out along with Liu Kang is that actually the Mortal Kombat tournament that takes place the year of this film is the tenth consecutive one after Earth has lost nine straight. So yay. <laughs> and yeah, like we were mentioning earlier, this movie and and you know it's it has quite the lore then you got to get into the elder gods and all that stuff so we're not going to get lost in the weeds otherwise i'm going to sound like a stark raving mad lunatic it's best to kind of just go with the you know the stuff that this movie kind of posits right yeah just go with what they tell you just accept it at face value otherwise you're gonna i mean none of this stuff was i mean this game didn't really have such a canon at this point when this movie came out, you know, it, they just kind of filled in what they could. Um, well, this was Phil. This was this was all ba- this like backstory stuff comes more from uh, Mortal Kombat Two, which came mm-hmm. out in I think ninety two, the arcade cabinet, and then in ninety four for home consoles. All so right. um, it is like, but like you said, they fled. Like there was a lot of pretty much they had to fill in a lot of the blanks that we didn't know from Mortal Kombat 1 with stuff from like the other video games to to, to pad out. You know, so the, this can actually be a feature length movie. <laughs> uh, after that, we get introduced to Johnny Cage. Okay, oh, so, yeah. so Johnny, so I guess Lou, Lou is going to Mortal Kombat to avenge the death of his brother. Yeah, and he's he... like the begrudging hero because the Shaolin always send somebody like the Shaolin have taken it upon themselves to be the defenders of Earthrealm. Right. And he happens to at least kind of know, like he, he at least knows who Raiden is, mm-hmm. ends up running into him and whatever. It, you know, it, if you're not familiar with the lore, which I'm not very familiar with it, to be quite honest, it just kind of washes over you. Uh, we get into Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage is on a movie set doing some sort of thing. And there's like a handler, producer, agent. I don't know who this guy is that just comes up to him and is telling him, oh, well, you got to be in the tournament. (laughs) Okay, so Johnny Cage's problem is that people think that he's fake and that he doesn't know how to fight in real life and that it's just a stunt double doing all of his fight scenes in movies. And Johnny Cage is so enraged by this that he literally wants to go fight in a life-or-death tournament because this old guy told him that he had to. Even though literally nobody, (laughs) literally nobody is supposed to know that Earth is in danger by the people from this other realm so if he ends up beating and killing a bunch of other people, how the fuck is anybody going to know about it? What's he going to do? Like start a blog for it? Is he going to a 1995 blog <laughs> a using angel, angel fire? fire? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, my understanding is Raiden is manipulating everything because he's supposed to, pretty much. Even though there's a lot of like human fighters in uh, in Mortal Kombat. The three that he picks, like hand picks to do this, are um, Johnny Cage, Liu Kang, and Sonya Blade. Uh, for some reason, those are his boys, and those are the ones that they are like sanctioned for as like official defenders of Earthrealm. Uh, but yeah, Johnny, Cage, I don't know what to think about Raiden in this. Like, he doesn't he's feel kind of a dickhead, yeah, he doesn't feel particularly heroic like, or I useful, mean, yeah, absolutely. It's just like 
he feels like every bit manipulative as Shang Tsung, except the only thing is that he's not stealing people's souls, but okay, <laughs> whatever. No, that's and that I think by MK9, they really t- like they really hammer home how much of a dickhead Raiden is. <laughs> and so this is like you know, surprisingly like Christopher Lambert in this movie got it right to where we where we got Raiden now, where he's just kind of like He's yeah, he just like uses the earth fighters and earth as it, like his puppets to do, you know, cuz he's like the ends justify the means guy. So, I mean, like there's that one point where he was like where he tells Liu Kang finally you can take everything I taught you to 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 win Mortal Kombat and I'm like, you haven't taught him anything though. You're <laughs> you're just there to give cryptic messages and fucking manipulate the situation. It's stupid. But then, uh, yeah, he ends up, you know, he ends up trying to give everyone what they want, right? So he tries to give, like, Luke Kang the chance for revenge for his brother. He wants Johnny Cage to have, like, the legitimacy of being an actual badass, like, martial arts master. And he wants so- to give Sonya Blade the chance to... Avenge her uh, dead partner. Yeah, so, okay, who was it that died? Was it Jax? It's not Jax, because Jax okay, is good. clearly alive. <laughs> They just completely change him by the time Annihilation comes around. Yeah, and Jax just disappears here. Like, I mean, she hops on the boat because she's after Kano, who Mm. apparently is some sort of crime lord in this world. (laughs) And I don't know what kind of police department or government federal agency Sonya belongs to, but okay. (laughs) Pretty much she's a part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Like... It's like International Shield. It's super weird. They don't explain it at all in this movie who she works for. It's so weird in like this movie how everyone just kind of like accepts what's happening so easily. It's so bizarre. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. And even it's like Sonia who's like, well, I don't believe any of this. Like who has that kind of attitude about it? It's just kind of like why did you get on the boat then (laughs) i don't know like she's either like she's either really focused on revenge or just she's a stupid police officer because she doesn't wait for any backup literally tries to go after this person by herself how does she not know that you know kano knows other people on that boat like that someone's gonna snipe her as soon as she gets on like there's just doesn't make any sense why she does what she does but it's all like as you said it's all just putting things in motion to get these three people on this boat, to get them to meet Shang Tsung, who like tells them, you know, well, you're all going to be in Mortal Kombat and I, you know, my guys never lose Mortal Kombat. And then after we get the introduction to Scorpion and Sub-Zero, who, <laughs> you know, he, he mentions are the deadliest of enemies, except in this movie, they are nothing more but slaves uh, to Shang Tsung. So at some point in a past Mortal Kombat tournament, they lost or died and then became like his puppets. Yeah, pretty much. Which is cool. It's an interesting thing, but it's also like it, it it's also a way that you neuter like two of the more beloved characters from the original game. I know, especially since it's <laughs> such a rivalry between the Lin Kuei and like the the ah crap, I think it's called the Shiryu. I don't know. Some nerd will yell at me later, I'm sure of it. <laughs> The only thing more unforgivable than the awful CGI in this movie is the fact that Scorpion and Sub-Zero are little more than henchmen. 
Okay, first of all, the the CGI is trying its best. Okay, <laughs> sure. It's, it's by this movie five standards. Sure, but this movie came out two years after Jurassic Park, and it came out four years or more after Terminator Two, both of which had much better CGI than this. So Wait, either. Either this, you know, because it's a smaller studio, they probably just didn't have the amount of money to spend on the budget. But it's just, I, <laughs> it's just annoying. It's annoying to have like Scorpion have this like CGI. And I think because I'm watching it in 4K, the CGI like snake thing that comes out of his hand is literally like you can see it moving around in his hand. Like the CGI can't even sit still. It's like, it looks that, bad. It's really yeah. bad. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's the other thing. They changed that. Where that was originally like a kunai, kunai like attached to a chain that he carried around. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, now that he's a specter, it like has a, it's a living snake that like screams and hisses. It used to gross me out when I was a kid. It grossed me out now. Like it looked stupid, but it was still gross. It looks too fake to be gross now at this point. So whatever. Don't forget what they did to Reptile, where they made Reptile an actual, like, anthropomorphic reptile. <laughs> and, and, I mean, at least they got the part where he could go invisible, right? Like, he goes invisible and he hunts, or he, like, follows, uh, he follows, what's her face, uh, Sonya Blade around. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, this, the Mortal Kombat is supposed to be a tournament, right? Yes. What exactly are the rules of the tournament? Because, you know, usually when I hear tournament, and this, I thought this would be being nitpicky. No, you know I what I would like besides, I think I know what you're getting at. Look, we just had March Madness last year, right? What's <laughs> yes. the thing that people think about most when they think about March Madness? Brackets. Exactly. I want the new Mortal Kombat movie that's coming out. Give me a fucking bracket. <laughs> Uh, I, seriously, like if, <laughs> it doesn't have to be the most elaborate storyline to a movie that I've ever seen in my life. Give me a bracket. Give me a winner of the tournament. Like make it feel like an actual tournament. It actually in the video game when you play, it's, it plays more like a gauntlet, really, as opposed to like a like a tournament because it's just your character and your picture is moving up and up and up and up as you're like you know it's Until, telling you the new new fighter that you're going to be fighting in your next fight, right? Yeah. So, yes, no. I, I don't understand what the rules are. I don't understand how you win a fight <laughs> because it's like not even death. It's called Mortal Kombat. But stupid. all of them aren't death matches. Some of them are like specifically Liu Kang's first fight in this. Like he doesn't kill the guy. He just knocks him out by like double foot kicking him in the chest. And then Shang Tsung eats his soul. <laughs> right. I guess if you choose not to kill someone, Shang Tsung. Okay, here's the thing. It's Shang Tsung's fight island. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> Shang Tsung is like Dana White. <laughs> that's honestly very, like, it's more true than you think. Oh, yeah. Dana White during the pandemic is literally Shang Tsung. Let me just make a fight island. <laughs> that's pretty much what Shang Tsung's doing, is he just makes whatever matchup he feels like is important. And that's why it's stupid because it's like he just picks fights at these random ass fights at uh just all willy nilly. But it's it's stupid. But I will say the I think the reason why this kind of stuff 
endures the test of time and why even though I think it's fucking dumb, I still like it, like I'm still into it, is because they basically said, well, what is what do we do in the video game? Two characters fight each other in these elaborate like locations. So mm-hmm. we've created like even the first place where Liu Kang fights, like on the beach, like that that beach stage is literally like one of the looks like one of the sets from Mortal Kombat, that original game, where you oh. have Shang Tsung in the throne and all the people in the back with spears, and they're all yep. kind of like egging on the fight that's happening there. Um, you get the place where you know. It, it wasn't ever really in a mortal it's kind of like one of the ones in mortal Kombat 2 like that forest location where you have like johnny cage and he fights scorpion and stuff like that that's mm-hmm. the cool stuff to me it's the fact that we're gonna we're gonna set up all these elaborate stages like we have in mortal Kombat. so it doesn't make it, any sense it doesn't have to make sense though <laughs> shut up like that's the big thing about this movie if you want to talk about video game movies and it's like us as nerds and gamer boys well i think i'm more of a gamer boy than you at this point (laughs) but you know like what's important for that audience if you want you because you don't want to alienate that audience because they're your most loud and feral of the bunch so of course you want to capture what your game feels like and i think of all the faults this movie could have as far as shitty storytelling, bad script, overacting, terrible CGI, the one thing this movie I can say, and I think a lot of people will agree, is it does capture the feel of Mortal Kombat fights. Like you just said. Whether it's the giant set pieces, whether it's the fight choreography, because, you know, the fight choreography isn't bad. No, it's pretty and, good. And you get to see all the awesome moves. You get to see Johnny Cage's split punch. You get to see the uh, Liu Kang's bicycle kick. You get to see Sonya Blade murder Kano with her thunder thighs. <laughs> 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 like, like it's got everything you want. And, you know, as a gamer boy where you're just like, fuck yeah, this is dope. Um, and I, and I think like I think you said it perfectly. Is it captures those set pieces? Like I love when the when the Johnny Cage fight, uh, Johnny Cage Scorpion fight goes to the like the Nether World, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you get all, and that's where you start getting all the goofy shit. Like you get with the part where uh, Scorpion removes his mask, and he, and then you see he's like a skeleton, like Ghost Rider, and he's just shooting fire at Johnny Cage. Like, this movie does a really good job of not taking itself too serious and just having fun and really capturing what the feel of the video games were, which is really cool. Yep. Shang Tsung announces who wins a fight at some point. He uses the phrase flawless victory, yep. which, you know, in the Mortal Kombat video game, if you defeat someone without them being able to land a strike on you and your health bar is full, that's a flawless victory. Um, after he takes the soul from the first guy who fights Liu Kang, he mentions it's a fatality, even though it's not really a fatality, but okay. I didn't Um, see anything over the top and violent, so that's bullshit. (laughs) But it's like, yeah, it's like, at least the people who made this movie know enough about the video game that they're basing it off of, that they're not going in a completely bizarre direction. I think part of the reason why I give this movie more credit than maybe it even deserves is because literally if you ever go back and watch super mario brothers it is one of the most flabbergasting like it's just like it's one of the wildest takes that you could have ever imagined like 
you have no idea how somebody looked at the Mario video game and came up with this bizarre Blade Runner, but also like Back to the Future. I don't know, but Gremlins at the same time. I don't know. It's just like it's all these like weird things in a blender together <laughs> and it's it, the worst it pretty much um it pretty much like batman forever like video game movies <laughs> like the no, it's batman and robin video oh game batman movies. and robin that's the one <laughs> that's the one i'm thinking of thank you oh yeah like batman forever so much <laughs> batman forever sucks but it made money and it was good enough that people wanted to see it. Batman and Robin mm. is where like the balloon finally popped. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, like you were saying that Super Mario Brothers pretty much made people not trust any IPs. Like they didn't want to touch any video games for like 2 years. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure people had no problem making video game movies, but because you had something like that and because you had that really awful Street Fighter movie, it's like it's almost like this movie is good by default like it's yep. just not it's it's enough like the video game that you're willing to give it all the concessions that you probably wouldn't give any other movie you watch it, it's the the qualifier for this movie is kind of the same thing as what we said about godzilla versus kong last week right mm-hmm. it's like it's not meant to be high art it's just going to give you what you want and you're going to go ahead and like it or not like it I think the difference is that the new movie better not do that. The new movie has the responsibility to be a lot more, to take in a lot more of the story elements that have been brought in from all the games that have come since mm-hmm. and, and try to make a story out of it there. So. And that's the thing, like there is a way to make live action Mortal Kombat specifically. Like it can be done. It's just having the right people that want to make the story you know because i don't know if you remember like seven years ago back when machinima was actually still making content and good content at that they uh they actually tried to make a youtube miniseries Mm -hmm. um about uh what's it called um about mortal kombat and it's like they had a live action, uh, like they had like these these like B actors that hadn't been in films in a while. Like they casted, I, I think it was uh, Casper Van Dyne or Van Dyne, however you pronounce his name. Like they they end up they they casted him as uh, Johnny Cage. Um, I forgot who they got for Liu Kang, but you know they they like wrote these characters in like this really grim and gritty, but still like interesting way that you're like i can totally see this this universe specifically uh fleshing out into mortal kombat and yeah you know i mean that web series reinvigorated the interest in a mortal kombat movie for a lot of people and, and i think it came out of like a 2010 fan film yeah, like there, was a, yeah. there was a fan film that had it was michael j white as Jax, oh, and course. then uh the actress i forget her name but she is most famous for star trek voyager which i watched in the 90s what was her name five of nine or something like that or six yeah so she she played sonia in this and it was like a really good really good short film like i remember it trending on twitter in the early days of twitter 
mm-hmm. like uh, it's yeah, it, it is it is something that I remember very well in my mind. But it it rekindled the interest in it. Anyway, yeah. we're talking about everything except the actual movies. So let's go ahead and and just try to jump back into some of this movie. Okay, so there's a lot of different fights here. Liu Kang beats the first guy that he fights. Johnny Cage fights scorpion like it's random how these go like we we yeah. do literally have a point in this movie where we're just jumping from fight to fight to fight and we have no idea like how and why that was created we have um, no reasons yeah there's like nothing to really connect these other than shang sun's like you fight him next it's like a collection of really cool youtube shorts <laughs> yeah i think that's a good way of putting it uh sonia's fight with kano's pretty good uh she i studied all your moves <laughs> Uh, as we we talked about it yeah you know she's the one who ends up killing her opponent uh well and johnny cage does kill scorpion we get introduced to goro uh in this who was you know the four-armed monster who in mortal kombat one was the hardest fucking villain to beat like shang sung was hard but i was stuck on goro for like weeks (laughs) Goro's just not fair because he can just beat you to death with all four of his arms. Yeah, Goro was such a hack that literally anytime you played with your friends, like you had to make the rule that none of you guys could be Goro. I know, and then you always had the one asshole friend that was in the boss characters, like, oh, play Goro, it's not fair. <laughs> Shut up. But yeah, in this in this movie, he looks like he's uh a puppet from like the Jim Henson workshop. <laughs> that's true, he does. <laughs> but it's Which a good I mean, puppet. And no, it's good re- puppet. You, that's why I'm okay with the shitty uh, CGI because the puppet work for Goro is fantastic. <laughs> so at least they put the money in a really good, like, practical way. Right in um, the '90s, you wouldn't poke holes at it as much as you will now. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, that yeah. the effects have aged so poorly. Yeah, but not the truth. <laughs> but anyway much, once goro shows up he starts wrecking everybody mm-hmm. um and he ends up killing one of uh johnny cage's friends a guy by the name of art lean and this is where i was talking about the overacting part because it's like as goro pounds him to death like there's just this part where sonia and johnny both look at him and just go no <laughs> like the super dramatic elongated no i love super dramatic elongated nose yeah because we do them all the time <laughs> oh man so once goro ends up beating him um pretty much everyone's like how the hell are we even gonna beat goro Mm -hmm. so raiden continues to give unhelpful advice about how they have to overcome their fears and egos and have to win the tournament um and you know what and i'll say this luke 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 (laughs) (laughs) lou and johnny have started to amass victories you know they both the mass victories against the ninjas because Johnny defeats Scorpion in that really cool forest slash outworld in netherworld fight, and then uh, we get that really neat fight scene between Liu Kang and uh, and Sub Zero. Sub Zero, yeah, and uh, where he actually defeats Sub Zero. So it's like now they've beat some of the you know more powerful minions of Shang Tsung. Mm-hmm. Johnny, like, I guess volunteers to do it. And he he's literally the biggest dick, right? In this entire movie, like he starts oh, the yes, movie by like it, it, like it, it, 
he looks at like the one Asian guy who was around him and like tells him to carry his bags onto the boat, which is high key racism, but okay. <laughs> My um, favorite part is Lou's like, yeah, no worries. I got your bags and just throws all his shit into the water. <laughs> and it's like, oh he God. doesn't yeah, really, that. he doesn't really change much in terms of personality, but just ends up becoming a more lovable version of himself. I don't know. People just yeah, like him. Scumbag. Like that. That's <laughs> why I love Johnny Cage personally, because he's a lovable scumbag. I mean, the whole thing is that he, he t- he's the one that uh to prove to himself that he can do it he volunteers to fight goro even though no one believes he can do it and the best part is that he actually comes up with the plan that kind of works you know yes <laughs> and like the entire day sonia and K- and uh Liu kang are just trying to tell him hey are you sure you want to do this and he's like yeah don't worry i got this and immediately when they show up to start the fight as they're surrounded by a bunch of shang sung's like goons <laughs> the way they do it and it pay, it's to pay homage to uh to uh john claude van damme we get the the split punch right into <laughs> goro's groin mm-hmm. <laughs> he hits him with this massive low blow to the uh embarrassment of shang sung who looks so pissed <laughs> Raiden is super excited like i don't know why <laughs> yeah but pretty much, uh, knowing he can't beat him in a straight-up fight, Johnny Cage leads him up to, like, the cliffside and ends up having Goro, like, fall off the, the cliff edge, falling down to his death. Yes. So I was like, yeah. The only thing that would have been better is if somebody would have gotten, like, uppercutted into, like, off a cliff or something because that's one of the more memorable things of Mortal Kombat. Like, I love that one level in the original game where it was, like, two characters on a bridge and you would just uppercut them, like, once it said finish them and they would just, like, fly on a bed of spikes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would have been right. I mean, we kind of get that at the end, but it would have been cool here. Yeah. But um, I I honestly wanted to see more of the shadow kick or the shadow moves, but, eh, Javi doesn't get what he wants in 1995. (laughs) (laughs) They probably spend all that budget on reptile. No, fuck <laughs> off. Actually, no, I take that back. I'm glad. Looking at reptile, I'm glad they didn't give Johnny a stupid looking shadow kick. Probably would have looked god awful. Kind of. Like I love the reptile fight soul. though, even though it doesn't make any sense at all. You know, it's like the reptile just jumps into an old statue and like all of a sudden morphs into a human being. <laughs> 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 but it's all right because that's where we got to see Liu Kang's uh bicycle kick and he gets the he picks up the win there. And for some reason, Shang Sung was like, I'll let Johnny Cage fight Goro as long as I can reserve the right to like pick whoever I want to fight. <laughs> and he ends up picking Sonya Blade and he kidnaps her, which sucks because then Sonya is relegated to being the uh damsel the, in distress. Yeah, for the re- like last third of the movie, and you're just right. like, why? Which she shouldn't have been because she's literally the only one of them that's comfortable committing murder because she's a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> I hope no one isolates that. <laughs> <laughs> all the phrasing (laughs) but yeah so they end up like kidnapping her making her the damsel in distress for the rest of the movie 
So, but for some fucking reason, to know, I don't know why there's this caveat that even though Shang Tsung challenges her to Mortal Kombat, she has to accept, otherwise they can't fight. And I'm just okay. like, well, then what's the point? So that's pretty much what, what's buying them time mm-hmm. to go save Sonya. So then they got to go to the fucking Outworld uh, to go confront Shang Tsung, where, where for some reason... Uh, the uh, elder gods can't go so Raiden leaves them and that's where they meet Katana and Katana acts as their guide so this is the part where you mentioned where uh, Liu Kang gets to fight Reptile and then that takes us up until the the temple confrontation between Liu Kang and Shang Tsung so this is what the movie's been been leading up to right um shang sung being responsible for the death of Liu kang's brother chan um and pretty much Liu kang has to it's it's a fight in three parts according to katana where she has to confront her his enemy he has to confront his himself and his worst fears um so when he challenges shang sung they start getting into it the music starts the starts like just bellowing you get the uh and it's like it's not like it's classical like score or anything like that like this movie has like that 90s like techno like kind of it's a particular style that like i I swear i would hear in like 90s movies a lot (laughs) it's like yeah it's like like it wouldn't fit in any other decade but but it's totally fits in the 90s it's like dirty electric music it's really cool and i forgot who exactly was the uh the dj that created the the song for it all i know is that they went and they got uh ed boone one of the creators for um one of the creators for mortal kombat the video game Mm -hmm. and they have him shout mortal kombat Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> he and actually another fun fact: he's one of um, he's one of uh, or Scorpion is one of his favorite characters. So all um, all of uh, Scorpion's spoken lines are all Ed Boon actually doing voiceover work on it. But it's really funny, yeah. Like, shit. well, yeah. he is an iconic voice then because that Scorpion, that the sound bite is. You know, it's, yeah, we all remember it. It's oh. legendary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, almost as legendary as the toasty guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, once once they get into a fight, uh, or they get into the uh, the 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 really cool. I mean, that that part where they're fighting around the the logo. Uh, I thought the choreography was really freaking dope. Oh yeah, it's like, it's the coolest location too. Yes, hundred percent. Aside from like. Aside from the the one that you were talking about at the beginning, where Luke yes. fights his first opponent, right? The, is... the, it's it's the it's the beach stage, and then this final stage are really the two best ones. Oh, totally, because they look like they're ripped straight from the video game. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Shang Tsung ends up after getting his ass kicked, ends up summoning a bunch of other fallen Earth Realm fighters from previous uh, Mortal Kombat. Uh, where Liu Kang ends up finding all of them, beating them, and apparently that was him confronting his enemy. Um, and then <laughs> the the confrontation, like the confronting himself, is actually super anticlimactic because it's just like Shang Tsung is like, 
I forgot what he says. Something about you cannot win. He goes, I will, because it's for Earthrealm. And he goes running up the stairs. And then Katana's like confronting <laughs> yourself. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess. <laughs> and then the final confrontation is the 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 biggest fear where Shang Tsung turns into his brother, into Chan, mm-hmm. and tries to convince him that you know he's pretty much to leave and that they're done and that like they've won Mortal Kombat all the while thinking of killing him meanwhile Liu Kang um, not falling for the trick ends up leading into a, another com- another fight at the top of the stairs where eventually he knocks off Shang Tsung into the spike pit that has been created down, down on the lower platform impaling mm-hmm. him and killing him so you did get your spike death that's true yeah it's just not the way you would have wanted. <laughs> it's just, I guess maybe I just wanted Goro to be the one that found spikes, but but I kind of got what I wanted. I guess <laughs> it's like that. It's like, come on, aren't you happy? Uh, no, no, it's nice. I guess. I guess I'm not unhappy. <laughs> so after killing uh, Shang Tsung and uh, you know winning or or winning Mortal Kombat. The Earthrealm heroes return to Earth to a ecstatic Raiden who feels like he's just taking all the credit and he did it himself. I, I really hate this Raiden. <laughs> and at the end of this movie, it makes me hate him even more. It's kind of like, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> and Christopher you... Lambert, just keep, he does a really good job of being like the smug asshole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah it's like Raiden does nothing and he just like he's just there to reap all the reward <laughs> and then all of a sudden like Sonya and Johnny are like a thing now because why not hey man by MKX or by MK10 they have a daughter named Cassie alright <laughs> so it's your, not I'll take your word for it <laughs> it's not not canon <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so this giant like tower comes up, <laughs> and we have a CGI, uh, CGI version of like really crappy CGI of like Shao Kahn, <laughs> who's only called the Emperor. That he's never mentioned by name. Yes, but pretty much he threatens to kill everyone on Earth. <laughs> to which right in response not on our watch and then you know it's like avengers assemble like <laughs> not even it literally just like a power rangers pose that they all did and the movie just ends all of a sudden it's like what the fuck are you guys gonna do fight a giant sky god like <laughs> yes that's exactly what they're gonna do but the point now of i'm this actually ending- interested the point of this ending was to set you up for what's about to come next week <laughs> And that's because before we get to Mortal Kombat 2021, Javi and I are going to be reviewing uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation next week. Yay. (laughs) So we don't have to wait that long to figure out what happened after this. We are about to find out. Yeah, unlike you nerds back in 1995, I think you had to wait, what, like two years? I waited two years for this. I was one of those nerds who waited two years for this. I saw it in a movie theater and uh i was floored (laughs) by what happened and i will tell you next week so this one is a movie that just kind of has been around and i've seen it plenty of times and i remember watching it for the first time on video 
this movie got me horny for Mortal Kombat 2 to finally come out, which ends up coming out two years later. And that movie, yes, was like, it is one of the earlier movie theater experiences I can remember. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm on the Mortal Kombat Annihilation Wikipedia page. <laughs> this don't... is going to be fun to talk about yeah, next week. We I'm will... not going to ruin anything. Yes, Next week, I think, is going to be an even more fun discussion than this. Uh, but before we get off of this movie, Javi, do you like Mortal Kombat? <laughs> that one's hard. This is really hard because it's like the video game nerd in me likes it and thinks this is the best video game movie. But that's not really saying much. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's a really low bar. So, I don't know. I mean, I like it in the sense that I had fun watching it. So, but it, I also feel like I'm part of the audience that this movie was made for. I don't think your average audience member is really going to enjoy this movie. I don't think, I, even people that like martial arts movies, I don't think there's enough to justify your like martial arts like fan to watch it because it is such a goofy movie. Like, like the CGI is really bad. Like, especially by like it's just jarring how how bad it could be. You know, it's very campy and like a lot of the acting is very hammy. Um, so ultimately, like as a movie fan, I'm gonna say no, I didn't like it. But as a nerd boy, I fucking love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those lovely trash movies. I love coming back to every once in a while. Um, I will say that I definitely like this movie and I still like this movie and I can always throw it on and watch it, right? Like it's not very long. It's about an hour and 40 minutes. It's a pretty easy watch because it's such a paper thin storyline. Yes. And you're mostly just watching it for the fights a lot of the time, right? Much like Godzilla versus Kong. So it's like the qualifier. It all comes full circle. And the qualifier for that too is just that, um, you know, if you don't have the nostalgia for this that maybe Javi and I do, you might not like it as much, you know? Yeah. So that's that's the disclaimer for anyone who's like, you know, even though I will tell you now, and I'm sure Javi agrees, you should never come to us for us to tell you what you should and shouldn't watch because <laughs> our opinions are awful. <laughs> that's why the show's called Do We Like Movies, <laughs> yes. not Do You Like Movies. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I definitely it, it was, you know, it's maybe not a, a it's not a huge thing to talk about. Like, you know, it's not a movie that you can really walk through the storyline and kind of have a discussion about what was what. But, you know, it's it's I, I will say this. I think next week's movie, we're going to have a lot more of a funny discussion about the storyline because next week jumps all into storyline. And I would argue it's going to make all the wrong choices. As opposed to this movie. This movie, all it had to do was make it look enough like the video game for you to enjoy it. And they accomplished that mission. Yes. So I will call that a rousing success. And then next week is going to... It's really going to Batman and Robin it up. And that means they're going to put nipples on everything. And they're going to put neon everywhere. And it's going to end up poisoning like the well. I hope you like Cyrax with nipples because that's what you're getting. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for joining us for this episode of the show. Uh, Continue to interact with us on social media and leaving us reviews on Apple Podcasts, please. 
uh, because it helps, uh, you know, up the visibility for the show. And uh, we will return and talk to you guys next week when we do Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah. <laughs> talk to you guys next <laughs> well, time. Later, y'all.